and just to let people know that this is a mindful social podcast and you can find it on Spreaker. You can also find it on my YouTube channel or you can just follow me on Twitter and it's at Jay Fouts and Aaron, of course, is Aaron Kahlo, is it? I'm sorry. Kahlo is the proper Kahlo. German pronunciation. Kahlo is how we say it in the States. I see. So it's Aaron Kahlo on Twitter. Um, we're really here to talk about mindfulness. And it's funny because Aaron and I knew each other from, geez, way back from some of his other projects. And we actually were presenting together. I think that's when we actually first met mm -hmm. uh, was at Web Congress. Yep. And um, I stumbled across you on LinkedIn and went, whoa, wait a minute. What's this whole <laughs> mindful thing doing now? So I'd like to hear a little bit about that and, and how you made that transition. Yeah. Um, I'll first say you are probably the only one out there that probably said, hold on, Aaron's not running something related to digital marketing. And, you know, and what's this mindfulness thing? And I'm sure some people who aren't really into the mindfulness approach are a little uh, befuddled. But <clears throat> to answer your question, I, um, a number of years back, discovered uh, a Zen Buddhist practice. Um, and it just kind of opened my eyes to a new way of thinking and looking at the world. The, you know, the famous uh, beginner's mind is what kind of got me deeper into the thought process. But, you know, Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now and related books kind of was some of the, the precursors. So, Anyway, long story short, after I sold the Online Marketing Institute, um, I spent almost a year with the company that bought us and then decided it was time to do something that was more meaningful to me, more or less, and to, have, to really help people with what matters most. And I felt having control of your own mind, which is the key to everything, including happiness, was more important than almost anything I could think of. And so to pass on what I've learned and to cultivate and curate great education and content around mindfulness, I felt was a calling for me. And so I decided to um, probably explore doing more and making less in this new endeavor. Making less, at least for the meantime, but possibly not in the long run because you, you it's going really to become huge. Agreed. I totally agree. Just my my intention, if you will, <clears throat> is to, to develop more helpful ways <clears throat> and worry less about how the monetization piece comes out. Mm-hmm. Don't you find that that's true a lot when you start a business, you know, that if you just follow your passion and, and you really, really honestly want to help people, that the business grows on its own, you know, because you people really feel that passion and they resonate with it. And it isn't so much, oh, I found something new to make money on. It's more I have something to say that's really important and I want to do that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I decided to do this because I was losing the passion in, in some of the other uh, endeavors. You cannot fake that energy. We are mm -hmm. sentient beings that exchange energy back and forth. And even when it's written, you can tell the difference. And so those things transfer. And when you transfer energy, you create a connection with somebody that cannot be replaced with any magical thoughts, words, or marketing. And so totally agree. And for you as a person, your energy level is at a whole other state. And so your ability to do things just goes up to a notch that you can't just reach by trying to attain it through a skill. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it also is true that that passion can carry you off into doing things that you were like, oh my gosh, I haven't slept in 62 hours, maybe I ought to do that, <laughs> which is yeah. kind of one of the things, you know, I mean, that's, that's startup mentality, right? 
right? Right. Uh, especially in the Bay Area, but gosh, everywhere. Well, and, and let me address that because I do think um, losing Please. sight of yourself uh, amidst the uh, chaos of starting a company is an important thing to um, be mindful of because the quality of your thinking, the clarity of your perspective and the direction you set sail in these early days is so important, so much more important than how much you actually do. That I think it is critical to keep balance, even for somebody like myself who truly has lost a lot of balance in his life during those times and affected a lot of people. Um, a great example is relationships. People kind of say, oh, I'm not being a good friend or not being a good parent or not being a good spouse. Or, And you know what? Being an entrepreneur is not an excuse for not living correctly. And we got to Thank remember you. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's something that, you know, we forget. And there, there are a lot of different mechanisms that we can do. Um, you know, I'm kind of a big fan now of trying to unitask, although it's really hard. <laughs> you know, in this environment, it's really hard because there's so much to do. Are we tweeting? Are we chatting? And all these other things. But I've really found that stopping and really focusing on the task at hand and doing just that until I've reached a certain point is, is one way. Do you have other techniques that people can use to kind of, you know, pull themselves out of it for a minute or, or get a hold of, you know, being present? Yeah. Um, I've got a, a handful, so I'll, I'll let you cut me off when uh, you've got too many, but I'll, I'll start with the, <laughs> oh. the kind of the power of now, the in the moment concept you mentioned. Um, I think the first thing to always be asking yourself is what am I intending to do right now? And so if you're intending to do something, say to be on Twitter and be active, be on Twitter and be active. It's so much more enjoyable. I mean, it's actually fun if you just let yourself dive into that versus got to check this email and oh, I'm going to take this call as I'm finishing this one thing at a time. I mean, it is scientifically proven that the brain can only focus on one activity at a time. So if you are like driving and talking on the phone, you're able to do that because the driving is actually being happened at a different level and you're not actually thinking about it, which does raise the chance of you getting in an accident as well. But doing things well is is important, but doing things mindfully in the moment is just enjoyable. And so it's that old adage of like, when you wash the dishes, just wash the dishes. And it, it becomes just that's much more of an enjoyed experience than trying to get to some outcome. So when you're multitasking, basically what you're telling yourself is whatever the outcome is and being finished is much more enjoyable, much more important than the moment I'm living in. Mm -hmm. That's what you're basically saying. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. And then, but, but it, what you're wiring is you're creating stress for yourself. You're not enjoying the thing you're doing right now because as the old adage says, we only have the moment we're in. And you know, that's the that's the big picture there. Um, one, one other thing I would say uh, as, as a number of things I could add to that would be just how you start your day. I it, It's so much being talked about now, but I'll just simplify it to things like email. To start your day reading your email is bad news. <laughs> because you are reacting to the world as it's tossed at you and you're not setting your intention for that day and you're not doing probably what's most important for anybody say for an entrepreneur it's so much more important to be doing the strategic thinking the creative thinking or even for me sometimes like the writing those things that need a lot of energy and when you get caught up you find that you look at it, it's like 10 o'clock and you know what you really will feel empty because you didn't get anything done and if anybody feels like they're productive because they're doing email 
please look yourself in the mirror again. Email is one of the least productive things you can be doing out there. It's reactive to the world. And so those things will be taken care of and can wait until another time. But starting your day out correctly, I think it's just critical. Yeah, I agree. And it's very easy, you know, to keep your phone by the bed. And, and as soon as you wake up, you pick it up and you start looking at it. But the thing is, is that then your mind starts going before you've had a, a chance to set your intentions for the day and to say, OK, you know, I, I like to go through a little gratitude in the morning and, you know, OK, I'm really glad I'm still here. Yeah. And, you know, to to think about what I plan to do that day and what I plan to accomplish and set those intentions before I pick up the phone and start getting lost. Because, you know, for me, I manage social media for a number of clients. So every morning I go through all of those clients, um, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all the emails and all of the stuff. And if I do that first, my mind's buzzing so much that I may never get anything done all That's day right. unless I That's focus. Right. Yeah. I mean, Barring being the actual social media manager that's in charge of all that, even then to set out your intentions on what you want to tweet about, what you want to talk about, it's it's really important. It just um, it actually makes you feel good too when you set a list of important things to do, not just your laundry list, and prioritize those, and then you can right. get those things done when you look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day. You actually feel good. And you don't feel mm -hmm. so good when your list is still long and the big things didn't get done and they keep dragging out. So, you know, this is all obvious stuff. Everything in mindfulness is self-evident that it's just, you know, reminders of being thoughtful and mindful about those things. I think it's obvious to some people, but I think it's not obvious to the vast majority, mm. quite honestly. You know, I think a lot of people just don't think they think they have to be running, 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 running all the time. And they don't realize how unproductive that is. And I will say, you know, I try really, really hard. But one of the things that more I've learned more than anything else from my mindfulness practice is that nobody's perfect. I will never be perfect. I will never always be mindful. Right. It's almost impossible. Yeah. But the effort um, that taking that moment to think about what you're doing right now, whether it's washing the dishes or you're sitting at a stoplight and watching the windshield wipers yeah. go back and yeah. forth, whatever it is, um, can really help you just settle. Totally. Especially when you're with your children too, because a lot of times you're doing all mm -hmm. sorts of things. You're, you're hopping on a call, you're sending one more text, you know, you're doing grocery shopping and there's just so many things you're trying to do and to just be with them in that time you have. Um, I think is is critical. You said something really interesting to me, which is you don't think it's obvious to most people. And I agree. Um, but when you followed up with that, you said um, something along the lines of thinking about it. <clears throat> so maybe I should clarify. I think this is self-evident and obvious once you give it a little consideration and thought. So there's no yes. like, this is something you have to study in science to prove, even though all of the mindfulness research shows all these things to be true. It is self-evident once you give it some thought and you actually put it into practice. So maybe that's a better way for me to say that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it, once you start noticing, you know, um, oh, I'm distracted right now. The more times you recognize right. that, the more times you can manage that's it. Right. So finding ways that you can set little triggers that you know you'll understand yeah that. we we talk a lot about um three <clears throat> big pillars of mindfulness to a cultivate presence um b mm -hmm. to really create awareness and then c to skillfully act with compassion um 
those three, when you start to get in the mode of that noticing and how those things manifest and being, you know, what we talk about in mindfulness, which is being the observer to understand that what's happening in the world, how you feel your emotions are just physiological secretions. And so you can actually watch yourself go through these processes and create more space to properly react, understand, compartmentalize these things in a way that's more productive than destructive. And so to detach yourself from your emotions and thinkings, be the observer in this presence, acceptance, and compassion piece is so powerful. And like you said, once you just take a moment to notice, it makes all the difference. Mm. So let's talk about that a little bit more. How do we, you know, when we're going through our day, what can you give a, give me some exercises maybe or examples that people could use mm. to just bring themselves into the present just for a second? Yeah. Even. Yeah. I think the first thing is the obvious one is just take a deep breath. You know, mm. <clears throat> the classic example is getting that email from your boss and you are furious. You're like, I cannot believe they just deep breath, create a little space and then start to allow the unraveling of what's happening here and try to understand it. So that's one small one that, you know, almost everybody probably does to a certain degree or another, but none of us enough. The, the one I really like though, is that, um, especially in running companies, I find myself in meeting after meeting after meeting, right? Just the whole day. You come into one meeting with the baggage of the last meeting. You don't even remember what the meeting's about. You're already physically exhausted by meeting six <clears throat> and you're just, you're, you're there as half a person, right? You're, you're barely there. So one trick I've talked about is being late to meetings, which is a little easier if you're the boss, but, <laughs> but what I've, what I've done and it's really helped me is, you know, as I'm walking to the next meeting, if I can feel myself getting to that, you know, crunchy state of mind, I'll actually text the meeting owner and say, Hey, I'm running a little late. I'll be there in five minutes. And a lot of times mm -hmm. I'll walk right past the meeting room and I'll go for a five minute walk outside. And what I'd like to tell people is instead of what we normally do, which is try to look down or catch up on an email or look a little bit up, maybe 45 degrees and allow your attention just to be caught by all these things you've never seen before. And then let your mind go. And it just lets your mind kind of unravel whatever has been happening and just a little bit of settling. And then you can walk back into that meeting, take a deep breath, and you're a little bit more present. Five minutes will make mm. all the difference. And instead of wasting another hour of just non-attention and complete nothingness. Well, and so many of us get really frustrated in the meetings because it's like, really, do we need to be here to, for this? <laughs> right. I, I think one of the reasons I quit corporate is because I can't stand to sit in a conference room. It makes me nuts. Yeah. So really, one thing, one thing that people can do too is when you're in that room and you know you got to be there and you're going to be there for a while is to just go around the room and appreciate that every single person is there for a reason mm -hmm. and appreciate them as an individual yeah. because that kind of changes your mindset a little yeah. bit. That makes you a little more friendly towards the room and actually listening, yeah. um, you know, which is another thing, you know, act the difference between active listening and passive listening is pretty humongous. <laughs> that's uh, right. It's almost like active listening you know? and not listening. I mean, yeah, that's really what, what it comes down to. Um, you make me think of one more tip that I'd love to share with everybody because it's just been so effective. Um, two minutes of mindful silence before you start any meeting of more than two people. Incredible. 
two minutes. We always have two minutes. And so when you start a meeting and everybody just drops down, you don't have to tell people to meditate and get all freaky deaky on them, you know, and it's not freaky deaky, but some people think the word meditation itself is like, you know, is Yoda going to pop out of the box over there or something? <laughs> um, but to do that, you, it's amazing the change in people's behavior and body language when they just drop down for two minutes and you feel so much better. It's um, It's been nice, nice way to kind of coddle the meeting um, and also to ask what your participation level is because there are some meetings where you are a passive observer and to call that out, I think it's okay. And some meetings you're an active participant and I've seen big meetings where people say, okay, I'm passive in this, I'll listen, but you know, it's gonna be at a different level and, and then others, I'm leading, I'm active. And it's been a nice way to also kind of take pressure off yourself too in those meetings. Mm, yeah, that's a good idea. I think it's also a good idea to say, okay, we're going to put down our devices. Mm, of course. I know you're not taking notes on your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, And really uh, just focus. And I, I think that's one of the reasons I like standing meetings too, mm. because, you know, we don't need to yeah. sit and go around the room and introduce the entire team again. Um, coming with a very strong agenda and everybody knowing what that agenda is and what their role is, whether they're passive or active, um, you know, is really good. So how do we as entrepreneurs balance out, you know, the constant time suck of, mm. of our work lives yeah. with our family? I mean, how do you set that break? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you're just going to make a decision when you are with your family, you are with them. And if you're not, don't be with them. Um, you know, I tend to practice yoga right before I pick my son up at school. It gives me a nice 45 minute hour break and then I'm fully present with him. So I'm not bringing all this baggage. And then I am, I mean, it's like people are frustrated in my life because I can't get a hold of me sometimes or I'm not responding quickly because I'm, I'm there. Um, and you got to make that decision. What I think is core to that question, which is all questions therein is what do you believe in? Because mm -hmm. if you don't believe this is important, if you don't believe prioritizing and, and really understanding what is your belief system, most of us haven't spent time really thinking about that. What's most important? What are the qualities we want to cultivate most <clears throat> in ourselves? We, this will fall by the wayside. And so is it important to spend quality time with your son in my example? And if the answer is yes, then you have a chance actually sustaining this belief system through a good routine and a set of practices if you haven't spent time thinking about that and really, you know, dwelling on it, writing it down, I believe that's where things really fall apart. So it's creating a simple belief system, whatever it's based on helps and, and really allows that sustainability. Right. Right. And it also teaches your values to your child as well, you know, and teaching them the importance, you know, we work with our son a lot about, just managing his feelings, his emotions and stopping and saying, okay, you know, without being, you know, new age parenty and saying, okay, what are your feelings now? <laughs> it's still important to ask them, what are you feeling right now? Because they're not aware of what it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, you know, I work with a company, the mother company, that's actually a really cool company that helps kids understand what their feelings mm -hmm. are as toddlers. And it's something that never occurred to me until I met them. Nobody ever asked me, <laughs> right. you know, right. which, you know, but it's really, it's fascinating that um, kids don't know what they're feeling. And so they react. Um, I don't know. They, they, 
they react in kind of an animalistic way. I'm scared. I'm feeling adrenaline right now. And so I'm running. Um, and we need to harness that in ourselves as well. But we can teach our kids a lot just with very simple mindfulness practices. Totally. I, I totally agree. You know, and the thing that's really interesting is that <clears throat> when you identify the feeling and you actually verbalize it, your ability to create space and observe it happens almost instantly. Mm -hmm. And then you can ask yourself, okay, I feel angry. And then you say, well, why is that? What's the underlying feeling of that? And you can really get to it because a lot of times, for example, if somebody said, you made a mistake, this is just a terrible way to do this project. You're, you know, you're defensive and you're angry and you go, and then, but if then you say, I'm feeling defensive and angry right now. And you're saying that's yourself. And then you get a little time before you respond and say, well, why am I feeling that way? It's because this person is really threatening my, my capacity to lead this team or whatever it may be. And why do I feel? Cause I feel vulnerable now. Okay. I get it. This is why all these things are happening. So let me respond outside of that set of feelings or at least recognize that and then move forward. And especially when you have the time to do it. So yeah. So teaching our kids to recognize and verbalize even their feelings, um, makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And if we go back to the office that we were talking about earlier, being able to verbalize that in a meeting as well. You know, um, I don't know if you've seen any of um, Peter Dung's uh, YouTube videos that he did when he was in Wisdom 2.0, mm -hmm. but um, there are several, there are several very high tech executives, you know, that, that we know who practice mindfulness and practice it with their staff as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they would say, okay, you seem really angry right now. So let's find out what that's about. Just stop the meeting and figure out, okay, what's going on here before things escalate. I think it's important <clears throat> in spending the time. I mean, the human connection is so critical to the quality of our lives. Um, you know, it's like I always say, you can have the best job, but work for the worst person and it's the worst job, right? Because mm -hmm. that energy exchange is just, oh, it, we, we can't overcome that. We can build some barriers and we can be more mindful about it. So spending the right amount of time getting to the root of these causes, having clear communication, being empathetic listener, prioritizing that is so key. Because a lot of times what we do is we just slough it off and we say, oh, well, okay, I just had a quick chat or I'll send an email or you know, I'm as guilty as the rest. We send a text and we didn't get to the depth of what the challenge is. Um, and we got to prioritize that or else things will continue to be slightly miserable for a long period of time for many of us if we don't really make that a priority and have courage to address it because it's uncomfortable to do it. It does take, some, yeah, it takes some courage to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. But once you've done that and you reach out to somebody, then that returns to you tenfold yeah. because that person is going to be grateful. Yeah. Maybe not right away. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, they're going to be grateful. <laughs> I mean, I remember saying to an old friend of mine who was recently divorced, I said, you know what? All this anger and angst, it's your fault. Oh, I bet that went over big. Not like that. <laughs> She's not ready to hear it, right? So it's part of like beating the world where it's at. But years later, she came back to me and said, I now understand what you meant. Because I explained that that's obviously can't be held alone, but it's how you're mm -hmm. handling it. The reactions, the way you feel is your own. And so... Um, people do appreciate it when you go there. And yes, you have to live up to certain principles in life or else you're just kind of the flag in the wind and, you know, you'll flow any way it feels. You know, you, you don't, who wants to be the type of person to say, yeah, you know what? That's a really good idea. When deep down you feel like it's a terrible idea. Why would you <laughs> say that to somebody? I mean, that is, the, it's so disingenuous. 
that the next mm-hmm. time somebody does something and knows that was a bad idea, then you happen to say, oh, yeah, I was kind of thinking it was a bad idea. Your level of integrity starts going down and this human connection gets lost and we all kind of just mm-hmm. waffle around in this meaningless world that we haven't created for ourselves. Yeah. And nothing is real. Right. Yeah. 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 So when we're talking about things like work balance Mm -hmm. and, you know, let's say, I mean, we're dealing with investors, for example, Mm -hmm. or we're dealing with stockholders or we're dealing with a company that's planning to acquire us, you know, all of that can be extremely Mm -hmm. um, pressure, pressureful. (laughs) I figured that one out yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. And so finding ways to deal with that kind of pressure and, that pressure to really push you to do things that maybe don't quite fit with your values. You know, how can we push back against that or find ways to work with that um, that aren't going to make us, you know, look, Oh yeah, that's, they're the ones that are practicing meditation and yoga and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, Yeah. I think, I think it's important to, um, there's a couple of things I hear in there. It's important not to flaunt (laughs) our practice. Right. So lead by example. Um, yes, if you're trying to be a thought leader in a space, it changes the dynamics a little bit. But you know, don't don't flaunt it. You know, that's actually the opposite mm-hmm. of mindfulness. You know, you really want to be present and be that person and embody it. <clears throat> you shouldn't preach it. Not nothing in the mindfulness space preaches it. Even the ancient teachings of Buddhism go as far as to say that. So, you know, that's that's an important piece. But the congruency of pressure is kind of what I hear you talking about. And, you know, having sold a company, having had investors, they're what I call moments (laughs) of truth. You just, it's like why you practice so much. It's like the big moment in the Olympics, right? You know, this is why we strengthen Mm -hmm. our mind and we work hard because these are the moments where our most important that actually will have some much longer term effects on us financially. And so we need to pick and make some decisions along the way as we go. And we need to remind ourselves these are the moments that are most important to stay mindful, the most important times to reinforce our practice and stay in our routine because we need it more than anything else. And um, yeah, none of it is easy. And the last thing I'll say is, gosh, you could tell I can go on and on and on is I, I've come to a belief that part of that process I talked about presence, acceptance, and compassion, part of the acceptance piece is accepting we have decided to live in a society that isn't quite congruent with mindfulness. And so that focuses mm-hmm. on short-term results and shareholder value. And so when you have made that decision, which you have implicitly to live there, you got to know there's some things that are going to feel friction and you just have to accept it. And then from there, what can you do within that situation to be frustrated mm-hmm. into itself because it's there doesn't help it at all. And so I think that level of acceptance is a, a more universal one that's sometimes hard to rectify. Yeah, it is. And I think that's one of the things about, you know, mindfulness practice that acceptance is something that a lot of people don't understand either. Um, You know, they think acceptance means, okay, I'll I'll be a doormat now because I practice mindfulness. And that is not (laughs) what it is at all. It's really about accepting, you know, who you are. And I know who you are and I accept who you are. And now I have to deal with Mm -hmm. you. So I'm going to decide based on what I know. And you know, who you are. I'm not going to try to change you. I'm going to accept who you are and I'm going to deal with you on that level. I mean, the acceptance piece is critical because you talk about acceptance of first yourself and not be so judgmental. So there's the non-judgment piece of self and then others. Then there's the non-attachment, right? There, 
don't get attached to anything. Don't get attached to the relationship. This is not defined who you are. Don't get attached to the possession. Don't get attached to most critically what we call fixed thinking. We come up with these preconceived notions and it's our natural tendency to defend them at all costs. And so to open our mind and allow the possibilities of a different way or a different you know, line of thinking mm-hmm. is really important. And then that last attachment, a kind of impermanence piece of the things that we have been taught, we assume to be true. Work hard, play hard is a common rephrase we use out there that does not work in life, right? And we just assume it does. The harder we work doesn't make us any happier, right? And to play hard means that's how somehow how we're balancing it all out. And so these all these assumptions that we need to start unraveling a little bit because they're built in us because of our family and society and other things. And we need to let those things go a little bit and have some openings so we can get to a little bit better, better place. But yes, acceptance on all those levels is, is just like it critical. Yeah, it is absolutely critical. And I like another thing you said too, which is basically that it's not about your ego. Mm. It's not about, you know, ooh, I practice mindfulness and I'm better than you, or, you know, here I am focusing or making a really, you know, huge ass big deal about, you know, how much better you are than the person you're talking to is because, you know, you're mindful and you're not. (laughs) And there are examples of that. We're also, I mean, the the big thing with acceptance too is we're all suffering. We are human beings trying to find our way on this world. There are some things that are completely unexplainable. Why we're here is one of those things that's beyond our full comprehension. And so we're suffering to try to put things in compartments to make it manageable. We all need to have Mm -hmm. compassion for each other on that. And however you're trying to handle it doesn't make you better or worse for sure. And, you know, as my friend, some of the the Zen Buddhist monks that I was hanging out with in Tassajara not too long ago, you know, they like to say, I live every day making a million mistakes and learning. Like these are the guys that are sitting still for hours on end as thousands of flies are flying around them in the heat of summer and they're making the mistakes, right? And they agree we're all Mm -hmm. making the mistakes, very less than perfect. And yeah, and we need to have compassion for each other suffering for sure. Oh, yeah. And we really have to be able to put each other, put put ourselves in each other's shoes. Yeah. You know, we talk about with social media management, for example, that when you get a really negative comment on your Facebook or your Twitter page, you immediately kind of have that knee jerk reaction like, oh, that person, mm-hmm. why did they do that? <laughs> right. But you really have to stop and think, do they have a valid complaint? Do they have something that, you know, maybe they're just having a bad day? Uh, having a little bit of compassion Mm -hmm. for someone who's bringing something to your attention and then taking a breath, taking a walk, maybe going biking, whatever you have to do to be able to come back and respond to that person instead of reacting. And and I'll just say something a little bit more macro. Um, And I'm trying to phrase it the right way because it can come across as judgmental. Um, What people post on social media cannot be a priority that affects our state of mind. Mm. If we're, if we're letting that happen, especially the people we don't know well, we we really are starting to lose touch with our own human nature. And I know it happens to all of us, happens to me, happens to everybody. And so we got to remember, really, I'm going to let this really put me down and all the way through. And, and why, and why is that? <laughs> That's the mindful dog. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's so important to, um, 
keep perspective and remember, <clears throat> and it's almost never about you. It's always about them who are giving those comments. So it's just a self-reflection exercise. That's huge. It isn't about you. And taking those things personally is so easy to do. And it's really kind of a cop out. Yeah. You know, you're not letting yourself think about the other person. You're thinking about yourself. Yeah. Well, what we're, what we're doing, so, we're trying to get this little weight of whatever off our shoulders. <clears throat> and we're not mm -hmm. bearing it, compartmentalizing it a little bit and internalizing, I should say and then deciding what to do. We're not stopping, reacting, noticing, we're just reacting. And so if you wanna be like the reptile, mm -hmm. sure, go ahead and react and snap back and use your amygdala and boom, you're done. But if you wanna use that prefrontal cortex and properly process it, then there's probably a better way to, uh, to look at those things. Yeah, and the more you do that, the more your prefrontal cortex will love yeah. you. Yeah, well, you start creating the wiring <laughs> and the synapses, and we talk about yeah. neuroplasticity. One of the great things I'll say on that that just kind of hit me in a different way that made such a difference was that there's a lot of us that say, I'm just the way I am because of the way I am. And for effect, I'll say this, bullshit, right? It's not a very <laughs> mindful word, but I want to say that for effect. No, it is a because <laughs> that is not true. It has been created because you learn and you learn these things because they helped you in a certain situation or so you thought, and it, it's just the way you formulate it. These things when unused disconnect and you can create new neural synapses to learn a new way of living. You can learn emotional intelligence. You can learn all of these things. You just need to be able to do that. So you got to be careful of just saying, oh, that's just the way I am. If you don't like me, you know, I don't need you as a friend. I've heard that so many times. I don't need this person. I mean, ah, please. It's such a cop-out. Yes. You don't, you don't need to be thinking like that. Yes, you may not want somebody as a friend, so be it. But your pieces you want to work on are very pliable. You just need to have a belief system that holds you true to try to fix that. Yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Well, I said that we would go just 30 minutes, and this has been a really great conversation. I'm so glad we did yeah. this. Why don't you tell me, tell everybody a little bit more about what your new project is and sure. what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, how they can the, the short answer is mindfullivinginstitute.org. We are teaching sustainable practices of mindfulness, both in person and online. Lots of groups and sanghas to support that. A lot more to come and happy to take any interest. LinkedIn is a great way to connect with me um, on such. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to belabor anything more than that other than to say thank you. And the time uh, was very well enjoyed. Yeah, it was for me too. I'm going to go ahead and end the recording.